Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Better Right Show in conjunction with betterright.com, which, as you know by now, is a brand new website that brings the football data to your door. And each week we'll update you on the key numbers and metrics that you can use to help you show up in front of your mates and allow you to bet better. So make sure you like and subscribe to this podcast and sign up with us at betitright.com. Dean Selvey is with me as always. And Dean, the transfer window has been done and dusted. Who did well? Who's come out of it badly? How do you assess it? I just want to send my severe condolences to everybody in Newcastle. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that bad? I, 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 I just don't get it. Um, you know, Eddie Howe's been given a pot of money and he's decided that the best way to spend that money is to spend 30 million on a 30-year-old Chris Wood, 15 million, 13 million on a 29-year-old Dan Byrne, Matt Target, Kieran Trippier. Obviously, Gamares is a you know an exciting signing, but... I, I, I just don't understand. I mean, help me help me if I'm wrong on this one, but I think they've had a shocker. I'd be interested in what Newcastle fans made of it because uh, a lot of traders, when they were pricing up, will Newcastle go down or stay up, kind of didn't really know how to price it up because they had no idea how January's transfer window would go. Now, Kieran Tripper, as we know, is an incredibly talented footballer. He's had a hugely successful career. Um, Guimarães is, by all accounts, a very talented footballer who's had a, a decent career. But Matt Target, Dan Byrne, Chris Wood, they wouldn't scream out as sort of names that come when this takeover happened. Newcastle fans would probably put at the top of the list of players they would want. So um, I'd be interested to find out what Newcastle fans make of it. Do you think they'll stay up? I look at the attacking players in the squad and... I think they should stay up, but then defensively they've been terrible. And I just don't think Dan Byrne at centre-half is going to be an answer to that mobility-wise. He struggles. I do think Kieran Tribble, like he said, is a great footballer. He's 31, but I think there's still a lot left in him. And Matt Target, his second choice at Villa, has struggled in 1v1 duels. It just depends what Eddie Howe's going to do with it. Hey, come come May, June time, I may have to eat my words. But right now, I think it looks a bit, it doesn't look great for them. Um, who's done Who's done well then? Newcastle have done badly, who have done well? The two sides that I'm looking forward to seeing is is Juventus in Italy and Everton. Go on the, go on the Toffees in the Premier League. Uh, Juve have signed Dusan Vlavic for £80 million and uh, Denis Sakaria from Mönchengladbach for £8 million, which I think is an absolute steal. Cut, only 18 months ago, people were talking £30-40 million. He's had a few injuries, but I still think he's an excellent central midfielder. And obviously, Donny... Van der Beek needs to restart his career. Deli Alley, still only 25 years old, which is bizarre. Seems like he's been around forever. And they both need to, to restart and go into a club that needs a restart. So I think it could be an absolute car crash or it could be a, a revelation. Uh, yeah, I think, the, well, you, you'd know more as an Everton fan, perhaps. But I I, um, I think that with with the new manager in there, having a bit of new blood in terms of the playing um, squad is, is kind of needed. And you've got people who who will be very keen, I think, to prove a point, particularly in Donny van der Beek's case. Yeah, because he's just, out. he's had so much, you know, bad press and everyone's saying, why is Solskjaer not playing him? And memes and pictures of him sat on the bench looking all sad and he gets a one minute and five minutes. And obviously Deli Ali just didn't really sit well with uh, with Conte and... Played really well under Pochettino. Is now going to be managed by a, a, a midfield legend who was well known for scoring, you know, Chelsea's record goal scorer, scoring goals from midfield. 
So you'd like to think that Van der Beek and Deli Ali will actually fit really well with Lampard. Yeah, it was interesting in Deli Ali's sort of thanks to the fans' Instagram message. He, he didn't mention Mourinho, Conte, or Nuno. Only singled out Pochettino to thank him for what he did to his career. We asked you on Twitter uh, at the BIR Insights page what you thought. Uh, Adam says, as a United fan, it's the um, it's the worst window in in recent history. Um, Madeline Tudor says, best signing is Luis Diaz to Liverpool from Porto. Ramsey to Rangers is the worst, although Ali McCoy's would disagree with you. And Tottenham, <laughs> well, with Kulisevki and Bentacore, two players you'd know well, Dean. Yeah. Uh, and then also says, would have liked to strike at, at Arsenal, who were rumoured to be going for, I think, about three or four big names, including Vlahovic. And that would have been a, a sort of marquee signing, but didn't get anyone. Wrexham spent more than Arsenal. Um, what do you say? <laughs> Sort of thoughts from our, our listeners there. Well, United have got a history of being really good and bad in the window. Bruno Fernandez, 2020. Nemanja Vidic, 2006. Obviously turned out to be a United legend. or Just a very unknown centre-back playing for Spartak Moscow at the time. And, and then they spent a lot of money on Alexis Sanchez. So they've the mixture. Um, you know, do they need reinforcements? It's still early days with Ranić. So maybe actually did he thought, I don't need them. Uh, the Spurs signings, Kulisevsky, he was unbelievable on loan at Palmer. Big money move from Atalanta, actually, into Juve. Didn't really work out. Can be a little bit lazy out of possession. Lefty, loves to dribble, um, but the two sides of his game don't match up. Ben Tenko, solid centre midfielder, fits right in with Antonio Conte. And uh, Luis Diaz at Liverpool, obviously a really exciting player to come into the Prem. Does that mean the end of Mo Salah? Does that, is this going to be, you know, Salah to, to a big club in... In the summer, and at 29, it's probably the last chance they've got to cash in on him. Um, his, his value is probably at its max right now. Yeah, there's there's been lots of back and forth with contract negotiations and what have you. OK, that's the transfer window done. Look out for um, our next discussion point for next week's show. We'll, we'll post that on our BIR Insights page. There's also the prompts page. But don't forget that all the data that we're talking about or about to talk about uh, is is betitright.com. It's extensive. Um it's really, really important, whatever level of football fan you are. But um, yeah, join us at betterright.com and you can find out everything that we're about to say is there at your fingertips as well. And when I say everything we're about to say, I mean everything Dean is about to say, because we are heading into the tactics room. Dean, what's the, what's the game in focus this week, mate? So I looked at all the fixtures and it's a bit of a weird one, right? Because it's the winter break that's back after the COVID year. But you've got some players that have been away on their holidays, posting on Instagram, having a great time. You've got some players in South America playing World Cup qualifiers. You've got some players in AFCON, you know, that are still there uh, now into the semifinals and finals. So I was looking at it thinking it's really weird, right? We're talking about games that are happening on next Thursday and there's this weird kind of empty patch. And I, d I don't know how squads are going to be, like, trying to mash that all together. A few people have been having a few cocktails. A few people have been, you know, flying. So I chose, I went for the Arsenal, uh, Wolves versus Arsenal game. That's the tactics room chat today. And two very different sides form-wise coming into this. You've got Wolves, five games unbeaten, looking very, very solid, kind of creeping up the table slowly. And you've got Arsenal losing to Forest in the Cup losing to Liverpool in the EFL Cup and obviously drawing nil-nil with Burnley and having the North London derby postponed. So straight off the bat, I just looked at it and thought, right, 
tactically, this is actually a really good matchup. Um, both teams like to try and get the ball into a similar area on the pitch. They want to play outside central midfielders and to try and exploit that space in what now people talk to as kind of the half spaces or the inside pockets. Uh, but Wolves get there one way and Arsenal get there a different way. So Wolves tend to play three at the back, use their wing backs high to play flatter passes into those areas to get Trincao and those players' potents inside the pockets. And then you've got Arsenal that like to play it from more central areas, playing from their centre midfielders into those smaller pockets for Smith Rowe and Odegaard playing narrow. So what it is, is going to be a really tactical battle to see how those two teams set up against each other and try to exploit almost the same area, but in a different way. So it's an interesting one for us to look at from a tactical angle, for sure. Uh, the, the other thing as well is that I, I know he, he his numbers in terms of goals, assists weren't great and he's very divisive. But Adam Traore is gone. Uh, he's at Barcelona on loan. So that takes away one, I guess, tactical um, discussion point within the Arteta camp as to how yeah. he's going to sort of negate that threat. So, so how will, do you think, Arteta be setting up to best try and break through what has, according to the stats, been quite a hard defence to break through in, in Wolves. Yeah, well, again, I gave my commiserations to Newcastle earlier. I'm also going to give my commiserations to any shop that sells baby oil in and around Wolverhampton. Because they're going <laughs> to, they're, the stock prices of Johnson & Johnson, you know. <laughs> exactly. We're not going to see that anymore, you know, greasing up. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he's gone to Barca, Arsenal... Have, have lost Aubameyang to Barca I say lost I mean they paid him seven million pounds to leave I wish someone would pay me seven million pounds to leave my job no disrespect you know I love the show but <laughs> if, if cool. anyone out there wants to give me seven million I'll, I'll, I'm on my way but yeah the way the way that Arteta will have to do it is it, it really depends on and it's a bit a little bit the same for both teams now, Wolves' problem is that they sometimes play 3-4-3. Now, recently they've played three midfield with Moutinho, Dendonka and Neves. Now, that would be better to defend against Arsenal because it gives them more width in the in central areas as opposed to when they play 3-4-3. The two centre midfielders, Neves, Dendonka, Moutinho, Dendonka can get exposed outside of them with the wide forwards recovery. So that's kind of going to be the battle there. But then also Arsenal with Partey and Xhaka being... Uh, you know, suspended and they played Lokongo on his own uh, in a one and a two. So if he if he plays as a one, then again, the space is outside him there for, for Podence, for Silva, for Trincao to play in those pockets is going to be really interesting to see. So talking to people, you know, talking out there to Bet It Right users, this will be a game where you really need to look and wait to see, you know, are Wolves playing two in midfield? Are Arsenal playing a one and a two or a two and a one? A two and a one gives them a little bit more protection. A one and a two, they could be a little bit more exposed in those inside pockets. But the really interesting thing in this game for me is with Wolves' momentum, their performance, unbeaten in five games, Arsenal coming into this performing badly. If Wolves can score first, they are really, really good at locking games off. So they'll go into that deeper 5-4-1. They'll really lock it off. They aren't a team to go chasing games, which is why a lot of their games have been unders. And I think that they could be a really hard team to break down if they can get ahead in this or take it into that 60-minute mark when it's uh, when it's even up. There's a... I, I don't know whether 
this is something that I've just sort of observed and I'm incorrect in my observation. Obviously, I could head to bletitright.com and find out very easily. But are Arsenal a much better team at home than they are away? That's one of the impressions I get from watching them. Yeah, massively. Massively. They are, their, their metrics um, at home against away are just a complete contrast. The XG and XG conceded away from home is they're up towards the two, the 1.87, I think, on the goals. And Wolves have got excellent defending metrics, like you mentioned earlier, at home this season. So it really is a team that struggle away against a team that are comfortable at home. And like I said, given the momentum moving into this game, I'd have to be on the Wolves side. And that leads uh, to the next point there about any potential bets for this game. You know, both teams will want to try and control position, uh, possession. Both teams can counter-attack. Both teams want to get into similar positions, so that tactical battle. My first thought was maybe on the underside for the goal line, but I do think this is a game that will go off at maybe 2.25 or even 2 if the market moves. So my bet would be to go into the handicap market and I would take Wolves. They are around plus a quarter at the moment, which is about even money. And if you wanted to take them on plus half a goal, you'd get around 1.7 at the current prices. So I would go for... You know, go for Wolves to squeeze out a draw and win on the handicap. Okay, thanks for that. Uh, That's Wolves versus Arsenal, which is the discussion point in the tactics room. There is a very interesting game which might have a slightly different tactical uh, makeup to it in the Premier League, also on the Thursday. You've got plenty of time from listening to this in order to do your own research into the games as well. Both games we're we're speaking about now are on Thursday, Um, so in around about five six days time depending on when you're listening to this Leicester versus Liverpool or should I say Liverpool versus Leicester um Klopp versus Rogers two teams that like to score goals and two teams that can concede goals as well so how are we looking for this game Dean well first things first I I think that Robert Huth and Wes Morgan are going to get a call from Brendan Rogers just to see if they can suit up stick on a shirt you know because Leicester are struggling defensively right now. The return fixture in this game was a Leicester 1-0 win. Adam Ola-Lookman scored. And that was Liverpool's last defeat, actually, in 17 games in all competitions. So that will be on Klopp's mind coming in. But, you know, Liverpool battered them that day. And there's a few little interesting things for Bennett Wright users to be thinking about going into this game. On the Liverpool side, you know, Salah and Mane, both into the semi-finals of AFCON. Are they going to be coming back? They have massive XG value to Liverpool. I think only Jota can can get into that group with those two players. So they are huge. You know, will will the new signing start or will he go with Oxlade-Chamberlain, Jota and, and Firmino like he did uh, recently? Now, you know, it, can Luis Diaz just come straight in? He's been on national team duty this weekend with Colombia. And this is what I was talking about. There's all these kind of moving parts coming into these Thursday games, which is going to be really interesting for people that want to get their bets on. Now, on the Leicester side of things, they've been playing 3-5-2. They've been playing 4-2-3-1. You've got Chowdhury playing centre-half. Even uh, Vestergaard got a run out, which is, you know, any sort of pace or dynamism around him. It's like I've seen, you know, the proverbial milk turn quicker than our friend Yannick Vestergaard. So it's really one way, you know, does Siunchu play with Vestergaard? Does he play with Chowdhury? They play a back three. Uh, indeed, he's back from AFCON. Does he play? Daniel Amati's been playing. So there's loads of like moving parts. So when people are looking at the market on this game, at the moment, Liverpool are minus 1.75, which for me, against Leicester, 
I would I was expecting it to be around 1.25, 1.5 at a push. So I think it's a quarter to half a goal reflecting the fact that Leicester are so open, especially in transition. And at Liverpool, they will go bang, bang, straight from the first minute. But it's really down, you know, is Salah and, are Salah and Mane back? Have the market already priced them in as being back and playing? If not, then maybe there's a, you know, maybe that's a little bit overpriced at the moment. Um, but Leicester have, you know, they've conceded an average of 2.1 XG and 1.85 goals. Liverpool are averaging 2.6 goals from 2.6 XG. You can't get more predictive than that. They're number one and number two across all attacking metrics in the league. So, but again, that is Salah and Mane. Are they back? So, it's yeah, it's one of those ones where the Bet It Right users need to be using the website, looking at the starting 11, looking at players potentially coming in, you know, tweaking their teams for, for FPL, for bets, and, uh, you know, really making use of the site. This is, this is why we're here. OK, time for our European preview now. And there's plenty of interesting games actually across Europe, but one particular one is Serie A, which we'll, um, which we'll all be watching, is the Milan derby. And lots of ramifications with this um, in terms of the title race. Inter at the moment, uh, I think about one to four, one to five to win the, the title. If they lose and Napoli come back into the picture and other teams, you know, with Juventus having such a good transfer window, maybe they're too far gone. But... This is a really interesting match, not just in terms of the 90 minutes that Milan and Inter will be will be faced with, but also with the ramifications for Serie A as well, Dean. Yeah. Yeah, I still have nightmares about this game. I wake up <laughs> in the night, you know, crying and screaming because we had a we 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 were on the overs in the first game and it was 1-1 after 17 minutes. <laughs> and Inter and you know, I guess you don't need to know you know how the story finishes. Yeah. Um Inter missed the second penalty before half time, and yeah, it finished one-one. And it was just, I think the line was two point seven five, and Inter had two point five xG, and Milan had one point two five. And you know, it should have been a four-goal game, five-goal game, and it was a killer. It was a killer. <laughs> um, I still we, think about it. Do we move on? <laughs> <laughs> but no, no. But yeah, like you said, Inter. They haven't lost since the 16th of October, which was actually against Inzaghi's old team. I think you know, it was something that we may have covered and they lost 3-1 that game. And since then, they've dropped four points at home all season, two to, two to Atalanta and two to Juventus. And they've been, they've been unbelievable. They've conceded eight goals at home. Um, they've had a, very, a, a fairly quiet window. Robin Gosen's coming in from Atalanta, who's an amazing wing back, but he's injured. And Inzaghi's old mate, Felipe Caicedo, being picked up from Genoa. But yeah, they've just been such a monster team at home. And obviously this is home this weekend, right? Home, given that they share the San Siro. But there's only going to be 5,000 fans there. And with this game, obviously the, the fans have a massive part to play. It's still going to be feisty. It's still going to be high tempo. But just with only 5,000 in the stadium, it, it could definitely take on a different vibe, I think. In what sense? Just be one of those behind closed doors sort of games yeah just the you know what it's like the well it we talked about it a few weeks ago with with covid italy was one of the leagues where you actually saw the goals go up both home and away when the fans weren't in the stadiums and even when they came back but for a game like this the derby it will still be about the two teams going at it and i i don't think there'll be any problems with that but you know if a team are behind or if there's a controversial call from the referee or it gets a bit feisty and there's only five thousand. You know, does that change when there's 80,000? But 
You know, Milan are coming into the game as well. They've been struggling with injuries all season. Centre midfield, centre-backs. Simon kiar has been out. Uh, Tomori's injured. Kalulu's been playing there with Romagnoli, who's kind of old and a little bit slow. Zlatan hurt his Achilles before the break. They think it might not be as bad, but again, he's 40 years old. But that, you know, this could be the battle of the old centre-forwards, the old guard. Edin Dzeko, 35. Nine goals in 21 games. Ibrahimovic, 40. Eight goals in 15. So it could be, that, and that's another interesting angle for this one. I think football is going to be like tennis, where Nadal, Djokovic and Federer just keep winning till they're about 75. And the same with Serie A, when Ibrahimovic is still scoring at like 68. Like the guy in um, Japan, who's still, I think he's the oldest footballer in the world. Yeah, what is he, 54 or something? Five, I think, yeah. He's just signed another contract in like the third tier. I mean, he looks about 75 as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, that's going to be a great game. Um, yeah. yeah the, 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 when, the, when, you, when you look at it and you factor who you'd side, side with, how much, I mean, we have spoken about it before, but a couple of questions. Firstly, how much do you factor in home advantage, which is obviously negated in this instance? Yeah. But, but also, how much do you factoring in Inter's recent dominance, there's been a bit of a break in the season and things like that. Do you see what I mean? How much are you factoring sort of recency bias in a way into your overall impression of the outcome of this match? Well, Inter Milan are one of the teams in Serie A who have been really consistent in their team selection. They tend to change the wing-backs depending on how aggressive they want to be. So if they want to be a little bit more defensive, they tend to play Damian on one side. If they want to be really aggressive, they'll play Dumfries on one side on the right. Perisic has made the left side his own. Centre-halves are always the same. Centre-midfielders are always the same. And then up front, they rotate between Lautaro Martinez, Dzeko, Alexis Sanchez and Joaquin Correa when he was, uh, before he got injured. Now, Alexis Sanchez and Martinez have both been on World Cup qualifiers. So again, another little bit to throw in. But they've been so consistent all season, having not lost since October, keeping so many clean sheets, only conceding eight goals at home. Um, Milan have really struggled at centre-forward this year with Ibra, with Giroud. Rebic has been injured. Centre-midfield has been in and out with Kessier, with Tonali, with Benacer not really playing. Centre-half injuries. Tio Hernandez is outstanding at left-back, which is always an outlet for them. But just for consistency, predictive consistency, you look at the numbers that Inter have produced, averaging 2.52 xG at home and 2.41 goals against Milan, who have also done well. Over two goals a game, 1.67 xG. And I think this game will be won or lost in midfield. Um, Inter's Barella, Brozovic and Chalanolu versus what is normally a Kessier, Tonali or, or Reda Krunic has played there a lot this season and Brahim Diaz, who can be a little bit lightweight in there. That's where the game's going to be won and lost. Um, and also Inter, very good at defending crosses, and Milan, not so much. So if, if they can get Dzeko in, Perisic off the back post, it's a game that I can see Inter just dominating and continuing that consistency uh, that they've had this season so far. OK, bets then, Dean, what are we going with here? Inter, win and over 2.5. Double bet, let's go. Uh, and then in other fixtures in Europe, there are a host of really good fixtures actually in Europe. Um, across Eredivisie, obviously that big game that we've spoken about in um, 
in Serie A, but you've also got Wolfsburg versus um, Firth in, in Bundesliga and also in League One, you've got Lille versus um, PSG. So it's not just Serie A that we should focus on around Europe. Yeah, just picked a couple of games, really, to give Bedit Right users something different. You know, we normally talk about the championship, the Prem, the kind of bigger leagues. And I thought, oh, let's pick out a couple of teams that maybe we don't talk about as much this week. Now, as well, in their Eredivisie, you know, after 18 games, a half point at Christmas, they had six points, you know, bottom of the league. Um, and now they've come in after the break. They've won their first two games back. They've doubled their points to 12. And, you know, a win could take them out of the bottom three for the first time at home to NEC. So, yeah, the little tip there would be for, you know, if you could get as well, draw no bet. But if you want to be a little bit more aggressive, go for the as well win at better than even money. So a little something a little bit different. Into Germany, like you mentioned. Wolfsburg last year qualified for the Champions League, finishing fourth. The manager, Oliver Glasner, left, went to Eintracht Frankfurt. Mark van Bommel came in. Dutch manager. No, there tends to be kind of a lot of, I guess, chat about Dutch managers being very strict and very rigid in the way that they play because of the academies that they grow up in. And Wolfsburg have just gone like this this season. Plummet, plummet, plummet. Uh, they decided to hire a manager. They sacked Mark van Bommel, hired another manager who has a, a, a serial kind of loser um, in Florian Kofeld from Werder Bremen, who saved them from relegation, then got them relegated to Bundesliga 2. And then he gets another job in the Bundesliga, which, again, doesn't really work. And they've uh, they've they've no win in the league since since November the 6th. Valt Vickhorst has just gone to Burnley to replace Chris Wood. Um, you know, 70 goals in 140 games, big shoes to fill. They've brought in Jonas Wynn from Copenhagen. So it'll be interesting to see how he fits in. And the team they're playing, Greufer Firth, were promoted from Bundesliga 2 last year. And amazingly, they lost 14 out of their first 15 games this season. <laughs> and I cover the Bundesliga 2. So I, I had a real affinity with them. And I just watched them lose and lose and lose and lose and lose and lose. And I thought this could be like the worst team ever. To be in, you know, in a top league in Europe, and they lost two games back to back, six three and seven one, and then after that, in the last six games, they've got two wins, three draws, and a loss, and they they're having somewhat of a kind of you know a revitalised season. Wolfsburg going this way, Greufer Firth going that way, but you can still get Greufer Firth plus one on the handicap away from home. So a little outside cheeky bet, Firth plus one on the handicap in Germany. And what about in um, Liga? Well, PSG. I mean, PSG. I, I, I mean, what, what? I don't really know what's going on. I saw. So I don't know if you saw it. Uh, they lost to Nice in the cup last week, and someone put a video together of Messi, and they called it a disaster class uh, from the game. And it's kind of him jogging around, trying to play one v one, everyone tackling him, people commenting saying. It's more physical than La Liga, you know, you can't do that here, and kind of all this stuff. And it's like, is he is he finished? Is this it? Is he gone to the Parc de France to just kind of disappear? What do we think? Uh, doesn't Wasn't he like that, though, towards the end of his Barcelona career, where he could either be arsed and turn it on and be incredible, or just not be arsed and then just, like, and that was yeah, it. Well, yeah. I mean, he scored that wonderful goal in the Champions League and they've got Real Madrid in the knockout phases and they're out of the French Cup. Weirdly, they do have a higher points per game this season than last, but their metrics across all of the 
you know, all the metrics that we look at date from data points, they are worse than last season. And Pochettino, well linked with the Manchester United job, clearly doesn't really like it there. And Mbappe going to Real Madrid um, for nothing after they spent 150 million euros on him for a 200 million contract. I don't know, it just all seems to be very, you know, I don't know, it doesn't seem to fit right for me there. Uh, and, and Lille winning the league last year, manager leaves, players leave, and now they're they're down in eleventh uh, position, so it's a really odd one this game, um, mm. and and all their metrics against last season are down except for xG, so it means that they're creating chances, not scoring, but they're conceding more chances, possession, everything else has gone down. So I do think this is a game that actually, when I looked at it, the overs market seems like a realistic one because I think both teams got nothing to lose. It's like let's just chuck everything at it, go after it, and try and score some goals. So yeah. A little overs bet in legal. Love it. Mate, thank you very much for your insight, as always. Uh, the, the fact is that we've had a little winter break, and I always find it incredibly dull when there's not lots of football on, but we are back this weekend, which is... Which well, where, well, some winter breaks are better than others. I mean, where's your, well, how's your winter break? I don't know whether this will break the recording, but um, my winter break's lovely, Dean. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm on holiday at the moment, but um, I'm going to be watching a lot of football this weekend on that balcony that you just saw. Um, I didn't, I didn't realise that Brighton, the the sea <laughs> was so blue. That's amazing. Dorset, which is just stunning, isn't it? Sand it is. looking great. It's Harry Redknapp. Before, before we finish this show, I just want to give a big shout out to the hero that is Seamus Coleman. I know I'm an Everton fan, I'm biased, but as it is the winter transfer market. He cost us fifty thousand pounds in two thousand and nine. He's gone on to make over three hundred and fifty appearances. So, uh, just a quick hero worship for the winter transfer window. Um, all right. Well, that seems a very fitting way to end. Don't forget that the data that we discuss here on the Better Right Show is uh, at your fingertips at betterright.com. We'll be posting, I'm sure, a lot of um, bets on the BIR Insights Twitter page, and indeed, as always, on the BIR Prompts page. But Dean, good to see you again. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the winter break and now you're revved for the rest of the season with us here on the Bet It Right Show. Absolutely. Best of luck to everybody for their bets, for their FPL, for everything else. Enjoy the Dorset Sea and I will <laughs> see you soon. See you next time, guys.